0: Registrations are now open for the 8th BioCeuticals Research Symposium to be held in Melbourne from the 3rd to the 5th of April 2020. To register, please go to bioceuticals.com.au and click on the Education tab.
1: Hi everyone and welcome. I'm Dr Mark Donohue, and today I'm in the unusual position of being in the FX Medicine Chair to address a breaking issue playing out in Australia about adverse reactions to glucosamine. It's made headlines in major news outlets telling the public that glucosamine quote doesn't work and could cause harm close quote. Our usual host Andrew Whitfield Cook is joining us on the line. Hi Andrew how are you going?
0: Really well, thanks, Mark. How are you? It's, it's very different to be on the other side of the microphone from FX Medicine.
1: Andrew, this, this came as a bit of a surprise to me. I've got to say, last week, and we're talking, you know, February 2020, last week a patient came in and said, you know, oh, I've come off my glucosamine. Why is that? Oh, the Sydney Morning Herald article told me that I should come off my glucosamine. And it doesn't work, and it's very, very dangerous. And I thought, hmm, that's something that's strange because in years of work with glucosamine for many, many patients, I'd never heard of anything very dangerous happening. I, I got a bit of a reading around and finally tracked down the paper. Um, it's one that was carried out at Adelaide. We'll go into the authors a little bit later. It seemed an innocuous paper that became a flashpoint for no particularly good reason. From what I could see... About three, 350, 400 um, adverse effects over 11 years for a very commonly used agent that provides a lot of relief for the symptoms and arguably is far better for you than any potential adverse outcome. So I can't see what was going on. If you study anything for adverse reactions and enough people use it, if there's a million people using anything, sugar pills, you're going to have more than 300 That's adverse right. reactions. So. Uh, uh, That's exactly right. Do you have any thoughts about that, about the provenance of that paper and why we should even be talking about it? Well,
0: look, I think it's interesting that any bad media about a supplement is very quickly taken up. Any good media is very quickly glossed over. Um, Any good media about a drug is very quickly taken up. Any bad media, unless it results in multiple deaths, not side effects. Is very quickly glossed over. So here's my question: Has there been any media attention to the 50 deaths in the same period that they looked at? I'm um, using ibuprofen. No. <laughs> you know, so when you when you look at the number of case reports of glucosamine, um, it was something like 400. Well, there's been 800. Uh, forgive me, 400 odd, or let's say 500, I think it's 450, 460. But let's say 500 reports totally. And this is not between the time period that they state, which is 2000, 2011. We'll talk about that data range. The,
1: the number later. was 366 adverse drug reactions to glucosamine and chondroitin.
0: That's right. I'm going actually from 2000 to 2019, right. um, okay. which indeed is what the Drug Adverse Event Notification website, the DAEN, ranges between. Right. So I have no idea why they found it appropriate to omit the previous eight years or the most recent eight years. Yeah. I have no idea why they would do that. Having said that, it was something like 460 adverse events notified within 2000 to 2019, and of that, there was one death, and that was in 2001. The patient there was on multiple other medications, including warfarin. The death was from hematuria. And um, so, you know, hello? Interaction? Ah, yes. Now, we'll talk about interactions later. But when you're blaming one entity out of a concoction, um, and and like a lot of medications that they were on, it's, it's very hard. I would say, unethical to point the finger at one, indeed, the supplement.
1: What you just told me raises an alarm bell, and that is if there were 366 ADR adverse drug reactions in that 11-year period, at only a further 100 in the nine years following, the question is always why would a research group choose a cut-off date after which things appeared to get better? It, It looks almost like data mining of how do we get the most bang for our buck, if we're looking for adverse reactions, cut it off before the time that the adverse reactions appear to be reported less frequently, and that gives you a bigger number. And I, the reason I wonder about it is at least one of the authors is a professor, very well-respected professor, but again, a board member of the Friends of Science in Medicine. Now, The Friends of Science in Medicine do have a history of going through this, of looking at alternative, complementary, non-Orthodox drugs and having a very razor-sharp focus on those things, looking to say, well, maybe they need to be limited, banned or anything else. My view is you can't have those preconceptions, be on the board and then say, but I have no fight against complementary medicine. If you're part of the board, you've got to at least own up to that in the paper and say, this is my, you know, prior position. I have a position in a group that say that complementary medicines are worthless. They don't have any part to play in medicine. This paper doesn't come out of the blue. So I think even the acknowledgement, say, so look, I'm on the board of the Friends of Science and Medicine. Let's get that out of the way. And now get on with the paper. So it le- leaves a bad taste of why 2000 to 2011? What about one of the authors and whether there was a predisposition to wanting to look for adverse reactions, even if they are not important and should not change anything to do with our prescribing patterns. I think
0: one of the points that you raise there has also got to do with when you're looking at how many cases were reported, you've always got to compare it to how many um, cases were there of patient episodes of people taking the medicine. So for instance, I'm looking at these results here from ibuprofen from 2000 to 2019. There was 1,216 reports, 818 of which were suspected as being the single medicine and 50 deaths. Now, when you take uh, into account the amount of ibuprofen medications and doses that were taken throughout that period, you think, okay, you know, look, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but it's also not very big. Yeah. Hang on. Let's look at glucosamine, a recent paper published in BMJ on 466,000 patients. It's an observational study, so I concede that. They noted one-fifth, 20% of participants used glucosamine sulfate. Right. So we're talking about, you know, let's say 100,000 people there, and where are the side effects in that trial? Well, virtually nil. So it's really interesting how when you go back just a few years, say, You know, to 2008, 2012, even 2014, the papers all over the world virtually say side effects were very few and they were mainly around the rash, puritis, nausea, vomiting, urticaria, that sort of.
1: Which are important, right? We should be clear it's important that we do notice the adverse reactions from any. Oh, absolutely. Placebos absolutely. have typically around about the same rate of adverse reaction. So when you yeah. have sugar pills in a study, the adverse reaction rates are approximately at the same level that yeah. glucosamine is in this study, right? You are right, though. The missing information is how many people are taking glucosamine. So if, they, if we say, what is it, that there are 35 adverse drug reactions per year If there's only 2,000 people taking it, that's massive. If there's 2 million people taking it, that's indistinguishable from no reaction whatsoever. And so we've got to be careful that you don't just publish a paper which says 366 people. That's terrible. It's not terrible if the alternative was those numbers of people were taking non-steroidally anti-inflammatories with a far higher likelihood of adverse reaction and death rates. So That's right. So we need to compare apples with apples. And we also need to have, if you like, almost a placebo control in this of Let's do adverse drug reaction reports to the TGA of people taking placebos. (laughs) It's a difficult one to organize. (laughs) I don't know how you do that one. (laughs) I know, but there is going to be a rate. Every time a pill goes into a person, there's the capsule of the pill, there's the fillers. There are always things that go on and you're putting something on the stomach. So getting many of the adverse reaction rates, I just, as a doctor, think look at this and say, look, if this is really, say, one to two million Australians are taking glucosamine, this is such a low adverse reaction rate that the real story should be what an extraordinarily low adverse reaction rate compared to the alternatives for arthritis. Not this is a big number and shouldn't we pay more attention to it? So, one no. issue is how what's the rate of adverse reactions. The second thing That's is right. what's the alternative? Was the drug therapy safer than this? And if the drug therapy was safer and as effective or more effective, then you've got a story. But when the drug therapy, as every GP knows, is a risky drug therapy that we now have to give acid suppressants to, to try and stop gastrointestinal bleeding, then I don't think that this is a balanced weighing up of what an adverse reaction is and whether these are significant, whether they have any impact on what we would prescribe in practice. So that's my my take on it is, this is like raising flags and saying, glucose mean terrible. (laughs) no thought about, is it the right glucosamine, the wrong glucosamine? No thought about details, just numbers appear on a page and the media take it up and someone has to promote that to the media. This was not media worthy. This is nothing. No. Um,
0: Um, So I'm just going on about these adverse effects. And there was a a very interesting pamphlet, if you like, from it's Medicines, question and Answers, Q&As, from the NHS in Britain, that's UK, obviously, mm-hmm. um, on glucosamine. What are the adverse effects? And, and it like it lists everything there. Um, mainly the is mainly the epigastric tenderness, constipation, diarrhoea, heartburn, vomiting, all of the usual ones that you can see with placebo. But I do concede that there has been in the past a, a certain risk with those people who have shellfish allergy yeah. because the therapeutic goods of administration in Australia... Has mandated previously that all glucosamine chondroitin products be of a seafood origin. Now that's changed recently, so it'll be interesting if you take out, let's say, the last two or three years. So let's say going back to, you know, 2017, and look at these side effects there compared to the side effects reported in the following years. That would be a very interesting thing to look.
1: at. And that would be useful science to do as well. That if you change the origin of it, the 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 paper does say probably it's the meat contamination on the shellfish the, you know the shell obviously does not have the antigens that are significant in shellfish allergy that's right yeah but if it is that's a exactly fault right. in manufacturing that is valuable information to know that's um, right and if if a change of the origins from shellfish to bovine or any other source of glucosamine if that's associated with a significant drop then good can come from even a paper like this but i still come back to the question of is this rate of 34 adverse reaction reports a year none of which were typically severe the majority of them were very mild and every bo- every doctor knows again you give tablets to a person everybody has the potential to react to a tablet so I don't see it as being good science at the moment, but this may form a basis to say, look, potential for hypersensitivity shellfish meat allergy. One issue might be better manufacturing processes to ensure that there is no meat contamination of the shell before production. And the other one would be maybe a move away from shellfish is the safer option. And we will find that out with adverse reaction rates over the past three years as compared to the previous years.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, one of the other useful things as well is um, when you consider that many preparations—not all—but many preparations are in capsules. Yeah. If that person might have, say, a sliding hiatus hernia, if the capsule might break open earlier, and you might have some reflux, it has happened. Indeed, it's happened to me where where you get a burp of of powder coming out of right. the mouth. Um, now that's happened. Now let's say that was glucosamine chondroitin that might be inhaled and you might have a local reaction in the lungs um, from that. So there is that, albeit very small, there is that risk. And, I mean, that's been noted with psyllium husk inhalation. So you can get a local reaction from inhalation of any powder. Mm. Um, rare, yes.
1: Andrew, you can get a local reaction from burping. <laughs> 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 it can definitely, I mean, it's, it's part of what we doctors think of every time a little bit of reflux burping up a bit of acid is probably (laughs) as bad as that. But it does give you a bit of a perspective that since many of the adverse reports were gastrointestinal, upper gastrointestinal reactions, that anything that's encapsulated, anything where a bit of acid reflux can be induced, swallowing a damn capsule or swallowing a pee can do exactly the same thing, that if you get a bit of a burp and it's acidic and it has the potential to irritate the upper throat, the esophagus, then you can get gourd-like symptoms. And so I don't see that specifically of any relationship to the glucosamine as the kind of active ingredient of it. I think of that as more a capsule risk that happens occasionally and you know people get it stuck in the throat. My own wife has done that last week of swallowing a capsule feeling it stuck and feeling that the throat is burning. So yeah. I you know I'm still I'm not against people trawling over adverse reactions. I think it's good to know where great. the problems arise. Yeah. I think the problem is that it can induce panic where there is no panic to be had. And a valuable therapeutic agent has people stopping it without asking their practitioners for a bit of perspective on all of this. But the downside for me would be if people stop their glucosamine, go back on their ibuprofen or their non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, and they do that without acid suppression and without doctor's advice. There's more harm can come from this paper and the kind of sensational reporting of it than good. That this should have been something that deposits in the medical literature. We all go back and consider it. We think of it rationally. Could bovine replace a crustacean? Is there evidence of meat attached to the crustacean shell? Is one brand you know, doing something dodgy? Those kind of questions are good questions. But yeah. they're not... You know, paper, newspaper headlines, whereas this has gone outside the safety area that I would say is doing harm. My patient has come off the glucosamine believing it to be terribly harmful. When her arthritis starts to flare up again, I know what will happen. She'll go for something, and that something is likely to be the um, non steroidal that is still sitting on her shelf that she hasn't used for the last year because of the glucosamine. Yeah. So that's my concern, is this is not the way to deliver science. This is sensationalised and will get people to put themselves in harm's way, not to stay well.
0: Yeah, but there remains a few questions. I mean, one is, why that data subset? Why 2000, yeah. 2011, not including 2019, when it's freely available? You just go to the DAEN and there they are. You can do various lists. You can look at what medications the people who had the adverse effects were on as well. So, for instance, in the one death that was reported in 2001, um, the patient was also on warfarin, on steroids and things like that. So there's potential in- interactions there when you're looking at glucosamine, which is a GAG, sure. a glycos- glycosaminoglycan, with warf. There is that potential. And and I think in this patient subset... You've got to really monitor them closely.
1: That, that was a decade where warfarin was commonly used and, and its yes. use has disappeared largely over well, the last years with pixaban and with others. With the NOACs, yeah. yeah.
0: You've also got the potential interaction with uh, anti-diabetic medications and this is not well studied at all, but I think it requires vigilance. And if anybody sees a definite trend, preferably with use withdrawal and rechallenge on the effects with hba1c or blood sugar levels then okay report that yeah. but the problem is when you get people saying i have diabetes and i've had it for 10 years i took glucosamine and yesterday my blood sugar went up yeah we've got to take out the what people always think they see as the immediate thing that they just took rather than what's happening in with their disease process
1: so the the paper does mention that very specifically uh, beyond the hypersensitivity reactions, yeah. nine reports in 11 years of blood glucose increased. Nine, nine in 11 years. Yeah. That is indistinguishable from nothing, from zero. Seriously. Yeah,
0: and again, this NIH document discusses this.
1: We have 2 million people with uh, type 2 diabetes, and we've got 400,000, I believe, with type 1 diabetes. But this is type 2 diabetes. The medications metformin, glyclozide, and the biphasic isophane insulin. They're talking about things which are very, very commonly prescribed. And if enough people are taking a gag, it is plausible but there will be a loss of blood sugar control, or maybe temporary, or maybe it may be, uh, it may be a longer right. term. And yeah. it's worth looking at. But that's a starting point rather than saying, yeah. you know, there's little. The, the, the authors say, while well, there is little evidence for any effect of glucosamine on blood sugar levels, you know, we should think about it. So if yeah. there's no evidence, why why would you mention it rather than just say, here's a trial? to decide whether people who are on anti-diabetic medications have alterations of blood sugar. That's a separate trial. It's a simple enough one to do. I'm sure Ian and his colleagues would be able to do that at Adelaide University and and give us an answer within a couple of years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Forgive me. I I was mentioning um, the NIH, and it wasn't. It's the NHS of the UK. So we'll put all of these references, everything that we can... Up on the FX Medicine website for everybody to look at and learn from, because there's some just some crucial points here that can be extracted.
1: There are. I, I would. I'd like to drag you back a little bit, Andrew. Back in 2006, the British Medical Journal published the glucosamine chondroitin arthritis intervention GATE, trial, commonly yeah, known as the yeah. Gate Trial. It gained a reputation as saying, "Well, celecoxib works and uh, glucosamine doesn't work," and we've settled that. Now, in in the same year the uh, Europeans ran the glucosamine, the guide trial, uh, which did show an effect with a different form of glucosamine. I don't see any mention of the type of glucosamine in the paper that we're talking about with adverse reactions.
0: This is It's really frustrating to me when what is said is this, glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate. The mm. inference to most practitioners of natural medicine would be that it's glucosamine sulfate And chondroitin sulfate. Indeed, it's not in the gate trial. It's glucosamine hydrochloride and chondroitin sulfate. And even in the same New England Journal of Medicine edition, but he pointed out that this is always said. It's always brushed over. But there's there's more to this. Um, Like when you think about what was it the the proportion of those um, participants experiencing. 20% 20% or greater decrease in pain in the WOMAC score, which is the you know the gold standard of pain right. scoring. Selicoccip was 70%. Placebo was 60%, only 10% behind. No. Now here's the here's the rub. In the moderate to severe pain group, the glucosamine chondroitin combination achieved that same 20% reduction in 79%.
1: Yeah. I remember the controversy though. They did the trial and placebo was 60.1%, which surprised everybody. You know, osteoarthritis, the placebo got 60% of people with a twenty a 20.1 macro reduction. Celecoxib was 70% or 70.1 and glucosamine and glucosamine plus uh, chondroitin sulfate was 66.6. It's one yeah. of those trials where the P equals 0.05 became the magic dividing line and it fell yeah, just yeah. between the two of them so that there was only a tiny difference between celecoxib and glucosamine and chondroitin, uh, but it was dwarfed by the placebo effect, absolutely yeah. dwarfed. And most doctors looked at that and said, that's impossible. Placebo can't do as well as celecoxib, They're forgetting all about glucosamine. What yeah. the authors did was they had subsetted it to what were the WOMAC score reductions and and what was the severity of arthritis. And what they said there was in severe arthritis, the placebo response was 54%. You would expect it to be lower because it's severe arthritis. Casella coxib was 69%, and glucosamine plus chondroitin sulfate, 79%. Now, that's in the moderate
0: to severe group, so yeah. that's the subgroup.
1: Yeah, that's the subgrouping, and that was where all of the controversy arose. That's right. That the, that the journal and many of the pharmacologists in there said, don't subset it, you can't subset it, rather than saying, wow, that's interesting, if the most severe group, which is still a very large group. It gets the better response. Well, so
0: this was the work of Daniel Clegg.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, what is it University of Utah? And like he did the subset analysis and pulled out that it's in the in the moderate to severe pain group that the glucosamine chondroitin worked. Yeah. In the mild pain group, glucosamine and chondroitin didn't work. Now here's the practical thing for me to for the clinicians. In those people that have got moderate to severe arthritis, they are probably going to need the use of some pain relief. Yeah. And that may or may not be silicoxib. It may be one of the other NSAIDs. It may be, you know, the paracetamol type formulations. But wouldn't it be great to have something that didn't just relieve pain, that actually had some effect in rebuilding joints rather than just, you Mm -hmm. know, knocking out the pain of your broken leg?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So this is where I think relevant, responsible co-use of these medications is really what we should be aiming for in patients, not one or the other.
1: And we should be very clear about what the molecule is that binds to it. So glucosamine sulfate has the additional sulfur groups and there is a good evidence of the biochemistry of sulfur playing an important part in the combination with that. And the hydrochloride, probably not so much. Yeah. So given that the trial that found that there was benefit was glucosamine sulfate in Europe. The one that found that there was just below the PA equals 0.05 benefit was the uh, GATE trial with glucosamine hydrochloride. Surely the next thing should be, in severe arthritis, does glucosamine sulfate (laughs) act in a way that allows us to stop using more dangerous drugs for exactly the same purpose? And I I don't see that ever having been done. We're now 13 years down the line. And it's almost like people lost interest there. And I have run into the problems with celecoxib and with all the non-steroidals, COX-1 and COX-2, they have a very, very high adverse reaction rate. People don't like them. They come off them. They put up with the pain rather than put up with the irritation of the stomach and the nausea. Yeah. And from my clinical practice, glucosamine was a godsend because if, 50, if 60% are going to benefit as a placebo, I want something with all that placebo response. And if there's another 20% over the top of that for the severe arthritis, that's a bonus as far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, look, we can also bring into there, you know, the responsible treatment of osteoarthritis. And the number yeah. one, of course, is losing weight or man- weight management. Yeah. Um, so, and the other one is, is milder exercise within their range of moment, physio, da, da, da. Um, one of the other points that I forgot to mention with regards to diabetes, Mark, is um, the sad fact that I've seen, and this is mainly in retail products that have glucosamine and chondroitin in them, you're getting diabetics pulling these off the shelf with no consultation with an appropriately trained practitioner. And worse, that product, I've seen the number one ingredient when it was a powder, the number one ingredient was dextrose. Right. So we've got to be choosing correctly formulated
1: products. I think that comes back to a basic you know, concern of both of ours, that if you have a medical condition and a health condition, see a practitioner rather than self-medicate and just take, oh, I guess that's the same as everything else. That yeah. The reason doctors and naturopaths and others do the work they do is to keep up on this and to provide you safe alternatives to medications that may be more harmful and less effective. Yeah. So see your practitioner. That's what they're trained for. I, you know, I do agree with you that if it's just pulling stuff off the shelf, very, very frequently, even pharmacies will sell stuff that is not what was on the prescription, was not what was ordered. And I I do have a sinking feeling that we need controls of what are non-prescription medicines. We need a lot tighter control so that well-trained practitioners prescribe something. And that is, you know, absolutely fulfilled at the chemist or, wherever they go for, to see their practitioner.
0: Yes. There's one last point as well, and that is glucosamine does not go into your mouth and then via a tube to your joints. <laughs> it's metabolized by your gut. Yes. And so, there. again, Daniel Clegg of University of Utah um, posits that we've got to look at the pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics of glucosamine and chondroitin in the gut lining and the liver. And that may indeed play a reasonable part of their um, pain-relieving activities. So, you know, there's a lot to be looked at here, certainly. Um, It's not that I disregard the adverse events that were trumped. I I do believe they were hyped. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the way that it was done, when you don't include the date range, the appropriate date range, when you don't include relevant study. You know, it's the myopic approach to the news item that unfortunately has an effect on patient's health. And that's where I get upset.
1: I I get upset because in a medical practice where control of inflammation, where control of the symptoms, minimising risk of harm to patients is a priority. We have struggled with non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and we've added acid suppressants and we've multiplied the potential for negative effects. Every doctor should pay attention to that 60% response rate to the placebo from the trial. The reason we should pay attention to it is we're not talking about compared to zero. We're comparing it to if you and the person taking it are convinced that there is some value to what you're doing, you're halfway there even if you're giving a sugar pill. The last part of it is if you've got severe arthritis, severe inflammation or gastrointestinal inflammation... Glucosamine sulfate has massive positive effects. Even this paper acknowledges that most of the people with the adverse reactions were on no other medication. And so there was no confusion about the mm. adverse reaction. To be on no other medication is itself a win. And that's the, the one of the points that I would make is, okay, it's true that there will be tiny numbers of adverse reactions, but compared to the alternative that we're stuck with in our medical prescribing, that's a win, not a loss. And that's what upset me about patients coming in to say, I've stopped it because it's no good, doesn't work, and it's very harmful. That is not what that paper said. And to put that out in the media and to have that circulating is a danger to my own patients. That's why I am upset. Not for... (laughs) And, you know, I do get irritated when things get headlines that should never be a headline. The headline could be the other side. Tiny adverse reaction rate to glucosamine is, a a, you know, a welcome news for all. (laughs) So it depends on how you want to word something like that.
0: That's exactly right. And of course, I think lastly, with regards to side effect reporting, I mean, we know that side effects are way underreported. We know that we need good side effect reporting. And so we'll put the, it used to be a blue card, but it's now just an adverse effect event reporting card that's web-based. And we'll put that link up on the FX Medicine website again for everybody.
1: I, I mean, is the story still in flux? The thing that's positive about the paper is they did the work to go and farm all of the information about the adverse reactions. They chose a period which is interesting to say the least, and it does look as though adverse reactions dropped off afterwards, so maybe it was designed for headlines, maybe it was just that was what they were stuck with. But we all can get the new data of the lower adverse reaction rates later. The final thing is report adverse reactions and have a look at them and see if we can do better. Brilliant. That's science. Scaring people for no reason is not science. It's something else, and I'm yet to figure out what it is in this case.
0: Totally agree, and I think that sums it up very nicely, Mark.
1: Andrew, thank you very much. Delightful to talk with you, and we'll catch up soon.
0: As always, always love chatting with you, Mark. The AMA Conference 2020 will be held in Auckland, New Zealand, on Saturday and Sunday, the 7th and 8th of March. This year's theme is an integrative approach to personal, patient and planetary well-being. For more information and to book your tickets, please go to ama.net.au.